Hello and welcome to Ashamed of Thrones. My name is Doug and with me as always is Brian. Brian, say hello. Hello, Doug. Hi, what's going on, Brian? Uh, not much. I'm ready to get right into the, into the show. All right, so just uh, since this is our first real show, we've had a couple false starts and uh, uh, let's say warm-up shows. Uh, this is a weekly recap podcast for the HBO show Game of Thrones. Um from a kind of disgruntled, annoyed uh, book reader's perspective, we don't have a lot of, uh, we're not scholars, we're fans of the books, and at least I think the book uh, is much better than the show, and as the show has started to outpace the books, the quality has gone uh, a little south. So, without going any further into it, uh, we're going to recap uh, the show. This week's show is Season 6, Episode 1, uh, The Red Woman. Or the Red Woman Saggy Titties, as I like to call this. Uh, <laughs> this will be spoiler-filled uh, for everything, so if you don't want to be spoiled on anything, uh, don't listen. So uh, let's start off with your initial impressions. Uh, Brian, what do you think of the show? Well, first of all, I'd back up and say, don't listen. But anyways, uh, the show, it started off on a sour note in that they had a couple of minutes of ads followed by a long recap. And I added it up when you combine it with the closing credits and the completely unnecessary uh, look inside the episode by the showrunners. Right. There's actually only 47 minutes of show after waiting who knows how many months. So I, I wasn't happy that they started out with advertisements right off the bat. Oh, you don't want to see no, vinyl? So Mad Max Fury Road. Right. If you like Game of Thrones, you'll love fucking vinyl about a time in history where nobody wants to go back to. Yeah, and from what I understand, that thing is even more off the rails. <laughs> the only people I know who like that are kind of idiots, but we'll, we'll, we'll uh, talk about we, that. Wait, that, not you, listener. No, no, there's a specific idiot. But you I, know who you are. Yeah, but I agree with you. Um, I saw, because I had to watch it on my phone, because, of course, HBO Go and HBO Now... They all decided on all my devices, decided that, hey, guess what? You got to reactivate the app to watch the Ooh. show. And of course, yeah. I'm finding this out right at like 9.02 and I'm rushing to like get set up on my Apple TV or my Xbox or something. All my devices have been uh, logged out and I have to reactivate. And the only one that was working for me was my iPhone. But when I did watch it on my iPhone, I noticed that, yeah, it said the whole episode was like 56 minutes and I, I noticed the same thing and it said... Be sure to tune in at the end. And I was like, well, that's a couple minutes, you know. And then, of course, you had the advertisements in the beginning. So uh, I feel like just uh, going in, leading into initial impressions, I will say we didn't get a lot out of this episode. I mean, I'm sure some people will disagree, but I didn't feel like. No, we didn't. We got, a lot. We got one. I kind of I, I I 15 separate scenes. Mm -hmm. And I think I would argue that only one advanced the storyline. And of course, it was in Dorn, the worst of the storylines. So, Agreed. you want to get started, start launching into the actual show? Yeah. We spent more time talking about how they wasted time. <laughs> we're wasting and we're wasting a lot of time. Let's get right into it. Okay. So, um, we start off uh, at the wall, and the scene, the actual shot is beautiful. Mm -hmm. And this weird shot where it looks like I thought it was a cave wall, but it turned out to be uh, another wall, the wall of ice with uh, the sunrise. Um, whatever reflecting off of it and they do this aerial shot and go right into castle black and you see Jon snow's uh corpse on the ground uh surrounded by blood and you hear um ghost howling right correct all right and then i guess uh you know davos hears the howling says what's up with howling you know wolves don't mm -hmm. howl that's weird 
uh, goes out and, you know, sees the corpse and everybody else out in the yard sees it too. They bring Jon Snow's body inside and talk about how angry they are and they can't trust anybody besides the people in the room. Yeah, and I thought the best part of the episode was that my uh, it caused my dire beagle to become upset and bark at the, at the screen because really? of the wolf. Your beagle yeah. was howling at the at the TV. She ordinarily doesn't do that, but yeah, she was she was doing a little howling and pacing around. But the this scene I think really set up uh, what appears to be coming in the previews, which is the battle of the wildlings versus the Night's Watch, which I think will be interesting. Right. I agree with you. Um, and I don't even know if they're Night's Watch. We'll get to it eventually, but I, I don't know. I would argue they aren't really Night's Watch at this point after right, tre- I mean, it's treason, you know? Exactly. They are, yeah. Mm-hmm. They, if you're not with the rest of them, and we'll talk about the rest of the Night's Watch just being like, okay, I guess we're doing this thing now. Mm-hmm. But they are now on the outside looking in. So, yeah, they're traitors. They, you know, they're rebels. They can say they're fighting for the real, the true Night's Watch, but, you know, mm-hmm. they're rebels. Uh, so Melisandre joins the Sausage Fest. And her spidey she, sense was tingling. <laughs> yeah, her spidey sense, I guess, you know, just like she had the spidey sense that the uh, camp was being burned in Stannis uh, when she was in Stannis' camp, but she didn't do anything. She's just like, hmm, it's weird. But, okay, so she comes in and says, that this doesn't make any sense. I saw John fighting at Winterfell in my uh, flames. So we're pretty sure John's going to come back to life, and that's going to happen, right? Yes, but the way they delayed it for another week, it pissed me off. I agree. I mean, just do it. It's like just like at the end of the last season of Walking Dead, where they don't know who killed who Negan killed. I, I I don't like it when they draw these things out when we've already been waiting how many months to right. he, to see what happens, and then you set it on to the next episode. I, I didn't care for that at all. And I, I agree know. with you. I think they, they. I was predicting that the last scene would be Jon Snow opening his eyes, yeah. um, and that would have been. Uh, better let's say yes and maybe that was their original intent and they had to you know maybe the reason why this episode was so short is because they decided to take something from the end of this episode and put it into next week's who knows i don't know it was just really frustrating that it seemed like nobody's story arc moved along and i i mean 100 percent expected this particular story to move along and it just didn't Right, and I understand uh, it's the first episode to a new season. You have to uh, set up the board as it is, you know, tell where everybody is to get us reacquainted with where everybody is, what their situation is. But then again, you know, you do have the previously on, so I don't know. Well, and, and in preparing for this, you know, to, to try to do a recap show, of course, we've gone back and watched most of the episodes again, or at least I have. So now I'm completely up on it for once. <laughs> I didn't need the recap, but perhaps that's why being a little bit more critical of it. Yeah, perhaps. But um, but still, you wanted something to go forward. And and uh, yeah, I agree with you. The only thing that went forward was something nobody cares about and is appears to be inconsequential. All right. So after, uh, you know, Melisandre, you know, doubts herself and and uh, she's at the sausage party, we cut to the Elks Lodge where Alistair Thorne is holding court and. Uh, <laughs> like he's going to put the system on trial or something. He's banging his <laughs> gavel. Uh, he says, you know, this long speech, how he never disobeyed an order and how he's given his life for the Night's Watch. And I'm thinking, never disobeyed an order? What? John didn't say, don't stab me? So you're cool? Like, Yeah, I, I guess treason's cool. You're treason fine is that. fine. I never yeah. disobeyed an order. You know, they never told me, don't commit treason. So whatever. He, he turns around and he's victim blaming. He made me do it. Right. He was asking for it. Yeah, yeah exactly. What yeah. do you expect? Uh, the way he was dressed? Yeah. 
Um, you saw you saw that boiled leather. <laughs> he wanted to be tight. stabbed. <laughs> yeah. Want to puncture it like the skin of a sausage. Yeah. All right. So uh, one thing I wrote about this scene is he's saying uh, John was going to destroy the Night's Watch as if it was something he was going to do in the future. But uh, are there more wildlings left to bring over? Or isn't the damage already done and this is more like revenge or punishment? Well, I don't think that they all are. I, I guess it's because it's not clear what happened at Hardhome or how many weren't there at Hardhome. For instance, the Thens weren't going to come back, and I don't remember seeing Thens come back with them. But I assume they're all dead if they were at Hardhome and they didn't come make it to the boats. Yeah, but I don't know how many weren't at Hardhome or uh, where, where One One's crew is, if it's just him left. Regardless, um, I think the you know maybe the wildlings of any kind of military prowess are probably already south of the wall, so... You can't put the, the, the worms back in the can at that point. Um, so it seems like this is more revenge as opposed to stopping something from happening in the future. Yeah, I would agree with that. Right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that just seemed like a weird uh, situation. Sure. So what comes next? Uh, well, I was surprised that the, even though – I was surprised that Jon Snow didn't get more um, – have more Support? supporters yeah. in that room. Yeah, like you know? one guy going, well, that's – he goes – what happened to Jon Snow? He's dead. How'd he die? I stabbed him. <laughs> and, All right. Well, then let's go try to get his And there's body not back. a brawl? How is there not yeah. a brawl? Like, there had to be a lot more people that were on his side. I don't know. Yeah. Well, then cut to everyone's favorite brilliant military strategist, uh, Ramsey Bolton. Oh, wait, 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 wait. First, first of all. Uh, yes. So we go back to the sausage party, the room, you know, the hotel party where all the dudes are protecting Jon Snow's body and Melisandre's there. Uh, and you know, it, in this case, wouldn't it be a bangers party? Isn't this theoretically set over in like England? Yeah, but they have the the chicken there, so I guess it's a banger and mash party at this point. <laughs> but, Jesus Christ! <laughs> but uh, podcast Pip, is canceled. Pip or Pippin or whatever the guy's name is, he they the the writers oh, yes. threw him an amazing line, or I guess like a super like. Arnold Schwarzenegger line, but I'm sure Jon Snow wouldn't want you to die for nothing. He's like, mm-hmm. if you were planning uh, to see tomorrow, you picked the wrong room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they should have somebody cut in with a get to the wildlings. <laughs> so that seemed a little over the top, but whatever. I'll, I'll, I enjoy it. And once again, the promise of future violence is always good, I guess. Uh, I, I didn't mind that exchange. I no, mean, I didn't. It, I mean, it's Davos. I mean, the Davos, the guy who plays... Uh, Davos is awesome. He's a good character uh, yeah. actor. So, uh, yeah, I like him. Uh, Davos says there are other people who owe their lives to John, and Pip's like, "Oh, okay, I'll be right back as soon as I can." So presumably, Pip's off to get Tormund and the other wildlings who are south of the Wall to come mm-hmm. back to Castle Black. Correct? That's that was I understand. And then yeah. you also see that in the preview for next for this season, it, it looks like the um, the wildlings are fighting with Jon Snow. Well, with Jon Snow? Yes. So, in the previews, they showed that he's alive? I, I watched a way too in-depth breakdown of a video. Oh, okay, and yeah. And one of the that's... screenshots, it made, I mean, it was So, that's wild that's speculation. Okay. <laughs> well, I think he's going to stay we're, dead. We're I, think, the, I, think, we're, I think they're holding on to the body because, you know, they're going to get hungry one day. All right, so uh, take us to Boltonfell. Well, then we see uh, Ramsey, and he's mourning the loss of his dear kennel master's daughter, <laughs> Paramore Miranda. Um, like it's that. actually she smelled like dog. 
Yeah, he talks about how she's fearless, and it was actually kind of a touching moment. Like he seemed like he genuinely cared for her, probably because she was the only other sociopath in the uh, that was near him. And of course, it ends in typical Ramsey fashion of uh, the, the whoever the guy there is asks what he should do with the body. Should he burn it, uh, bury it? And Ramsey <laughs> says something about it's good meat, feed her to the hounds. Right. Um, you know, just when you think he might have a, a, a shred of humanity, it turns around. He throws the probably the only person he's loved tells her to feed her to the hounds. But at the same time, I mean, if he's you know an evolved human being and he's an atheist, I mean, it's just a body. Who cares? Well, yeah, meat. It's good meat. All right, no question about that. <laughs> but at the same time, I wrote that it just seemed more uh, lack of subtlety and the fact that you know he's just more cartoonish evil at this point. Like yeah. he's a you know, a guy twirling his mustache going, mm, uh, uh, you know, after the race and flays you. Right. And feeds you to the hounds. Right. But then they, mm. then they transition to, uh, Ramsey talking to Roos. Yes. And that was actually the first scene where they confirm that Stannis is dead. Yeah. Well, they, here, here's what I wrote is they confirm. He's like, Oh, so Stannis is destroyed. Who, who struck the blow? Uh, and he said, he doesn't know. Obviously it was, Brianne, but once again, I don't know if this is a confirmation of death. Yeah, it's kind of silly. I don't if it is, then I don't know why they left off the actual death in the last episode. Right. Like, why not show it on screen? And that just seems overly suspicious. And the fact that they're kind of confirming it, kind of, but they don't actually confirm it. They're not like, uh, did you see we're flaying Stannis's body in the next room? That would be a confirmation of fucking death. But well, we you wouldn't get that. you wouldn't flay a dead guy because that loses the point. I don't know. I feel like you'd do it anyway just to, you know, they display the dead guys and they burn yeah. them. On, those guys can't be alive, you know, in the, speaking of the trailers, we see a bunch of uh, bodies skinned and on fire. No, I'm no, I'm no, fl- I'm no Bobby Flay. <laughs> I'm no expert on this thing. Bobby I thought Flay. they did it as a method of torture. They do, but then they obviously display the dead bodies. Right. To the general public, which they could do mm-hmm. with Stannis. So it might not. I agree that it's about torture, but it's probably also about sending a message. Uh, and they, yeah. Can, but regardless, the reason why I brought it up was if they, they said specifically that they had Stannis's body, that would confirm he was dead. I still put that there's still wiggle room. Once again, I yes. feel like the Stannis line has basically ended. Unfortunately, I don't like how it was handled in last season. At the same time, why, like, why not show that death? We see all sorts of stupid deaths, people getting stabbed in the back of the head and things poking out their faces left and right. Why would you delay that? And I, mean, asks, I think he has to be. Because I, I don't know why, how Brienne of Tarth would have walked away from there without killing him. And that's, that's the thing is, if she would have shown up with Stannis later in the episode when she shows up, uh, that would have been the time to reveal. Uh, mm-hmm. Stannis is still yeah. alive. So, more than likely he's dead, but once again, we don't have any concrete confirmation. Yes. One thing I did write about this scene is that uh, Rue says to Ramsay, your command of the cavalry was impressive. Sure. He's in the, like we discussed in the test runs, he is the Napoleon of raping and uh, disgusting <laughs> things. He's, he's referring to him leading the forces against Stannis, when Stannis met him in the field without any kind of horses or siege weapons or food, and all Stannis, all Ramsay did was basically surround him. So, right, how how impressive is that? Multitudes more men and much better equipped, and they're actually right. fed. They've been eating horse meat from recently killed horses. Right. Yes, and they're also Northmen. 
which somehow equates to being somewhat magic, apparently. Right. That's beyond the scope of this episode. They know the land better than anybody else. Yeah, and what what was striking about this scene is, you know, Roos finally kind of called Ramsey out for being a a psychopath when he said, you played your games and now you have no air. And he begins talking about his, uh, Roos's, he thinks he's going to be having his son. Without Sansa, Ramsey is basically basically worthless at that point. But I like that about Roos is that's a scary character. Yes. He doesn't care that his his son, his bastard child, is a fucking psychopath that likes to cut people's skin off. That's fine as long as it doesn't pragmatically fuck up his plans. Right. And in this case, it did. So that's the only reason he's coming down on uh, Ramsey. So I it, like he, that. That makes him. He, that makes Roos so much creepier. Roos also mentioned that this. Was, I think it was the first time he mentioned that in uh, marrying. Um, Sansa to uh, Ramsay, he defied the crown. Which oh, I, I didn't. That, I didn't realize that. Yeah, he said that, and and then I think what they're doing, possibly setting up, and I've heard this theory floating around, is that uh, we might see uh, Ramsay kill Roose and uh, his, I guess, stepmother once um, once his his heir, or I guess his place at the throne is threatened by a, another son coming to Roos. And, and you've mentioned that before in the uh, previous episodes, but I totally agree now. I mean, it's a clear and present threat to Ramsay's position as Lord of Winterfell and Ooh. his, uh, you know, bid to inherit everything his dad uh, is going to leave him if uh, there's another boy. Obviously, he's just, you know, a waste of space. So yeah. I, I agree. I, I think more than likely... Ramsey's going to kill his father and his stepmom. Which is I- ironic because Ramsey, like the idea of the family and the, the importance of the Bolton name, and like he, he harps on it constantly. Right. But it appears he's going to be the one that destroys the family. But but to his credit, he's right. It doesn't mean shit if your dad's willing to uh, fuck you over for an unborn child and yeah. ruin, your, ruin your day. You're not really, you're still a bastard in his eyes, obviously. Sure. So then that, it, they, one thing they did do is they, they move from story to story in a logical way. So then it goes from Roos and Ramsey to the next scene, unless you had something, anything else to say nope, about that last it. scene. So then it moved to the Sansa and Reek, uh, the getaway. Mm-hmm. And you see them cross the frozen river because, uh, you know, Reek is able to communicate to Sansa just how bad it could be if they are caught. Right. Uh, he's afraid of the hounds. They cross the river. Somehow the hounds cross the river too was there a bridge nearby i'm not entirely sure how that worked exactly. i'm not entirely sure either but like mm-hmm. he uh theon said this is way the only way to lose the hounds and the only way you really lose the hounds if you cross the river is to walk in the river for an extended period of time because in the snow you're gonna see footprints on one yeah. side you're gonna see the river yeah. and then you're gonna see footprints on the other side so it doesn't really not gonna throw anybody off um but yeah it's a minor point yeah and so they uh, they're confronted. He tries to save her by saying she went north. Of course, they can. The dogs smell uh, Sansa right away. Right away. Yeah, and Plus then she had, she had the moon blood. Oh no! She's a woman flowered at this point. Let's Cut not that. forget. No, Cut I'm that. not cutting that. So finally, Brienne and does something right in her miserable life by showing up. <laughs> well, I guess. Well, she did kill. I guess she did kill. Uh, uh, yeah, wounded man. <laughs> yeah. without a sword finally uh so she uh she rolls up and um i mean brand smash i think it's brand pretty clear. smash i agree with that uh you know podrick got to kill somebody theon got to kill somebody else but i wrote about this scene i never for one second 
had any fear for Sansa at all. I mean, maybe no. Theon could have died. I didn't think so. I didn't think any of the good guys, quote unquote, and there are in this situation clearly black and white characters, which is antithetical to a lot of the a lot of the spirit of the books. But in this scene, I didn't think the good guys were going to lose or get hurt at all. I didn't for a second. Yeah, yeah and I didn't think that Reek was going to be hurt because eventually it appears we're going to have the King's Mood. Oh well, up. he does. He's not involved in that directly in the um, in the books, uh, oh, other than right. his absence being the reason why the King's Mood might be invalid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm taking you deep into the books, but regardless, uh, yeah, the I can't wait for the King's Mood. It's going to be like. Like three episodes of talking. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> yeah, of all like people you've only seen two scenes of, right? Or three scenes. Yeah. But it did see this scene at least, I think it's pushing Re further down the path of redemption. I agree. And, and I wonder where he will end up by the end of the series. I, I totally. Uh, somebody, we were talking about this uh, with a friend uh, when book four was out. And I said, this experience that Theon goes through, turning into Reek. Uh, is what makes him hard enough to actually lead the Iron Islands. So I could see him being a great, uh, you know, king of the Iron Islands or leader of the Iron Islands, which is what he's, you know, was born to be after, you know, all his other older brothers got killed. Um, but he how's was he gonna, too how's soft. He gonna do that with, how's he going to do that without a wiener? Well, that's the thing is maybe. Because he can't have heirs. Well, the idea is he impregnated uh, the chick. He impregnated several people. So, <laughs> people or women? Uh, people. Oh, okay. Some guys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like you saw that uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger movie where uh, he gives birth. Junior. To man. Yeah, Junior. Yeah, we all know Junior. Yeah, Junior. No, but when he goes to the home to the Iron Islands, he's totally banging the like the captain's daughter the whole way. Oh, that's right. So, so people wise. people are thinking that he might have at least one kid, if not more. And there's speculation that the two boys that he burned uh, in place of Brandon Ricken, mm-hmm. the reason he knew they were boys is because he was nailing some Miller's w- wife. And there's a possibility that one of the kids was actually Theon's. Oh, jeez. Yeah, so he, he is a kinslayer. He actually gets called a kinslayer by a shadowy figure in uh, book five. There's a long divergence. I don't want to get into it too much, but yeah, yeah I think that Theon is giving some kind of redemption, but I feel like Jamie, uh, he can't redeem himself completely. His his one act of redemption will be some kind of self-sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Well, so then the scene ends with uh, Brienne pledging her allegiance, and uh, finally Sansa accepts her allegiance. Yeah, and I thought um, this scene was done really well. Not the, necessarily mm-hmm. the fight, but the the awkwardness, how everybody... It was like this, like, you know, formal thing that all these people uh, know about, but have always strived to this level of importance, and they never had it before. So, like, Podrick's a bumbling idiot, and he's really... He's becoming a true... Um, Squire? Squire. He's becoming a true squire to a true knight, Brienne. And Brienne's always been a joke, but she pledges her sword to Sansa, and Sansa hesitates with the words. She forgets the words. And Pod's on, on point there. Pod is on point. I just yeah. I just love... I, I thought this was a very tender and actually well-done scene, so... Uh, I would agree with thumbs you. Thumbs up, right? Yeah, agreed. But again, where did, does this push the needle? I mean, where does this get us closer? I mean, this I guess this scene this gives was... us this gives us a protector for Sansa. So once again, as strong of a female character that Brienne is, 
Yeah. Sansa is still just a princess that needs protection. So uh, next we go to uh, King's Landing. Yes. So Cersei uh, well, appears to be, um, you know, recovering nicely from her ordeal. Uh, and she's yes. chilling. She gets a message saying, oh, there's a ship coming from Dorne. And she prances down with a smile on her face, ready to see Marcella, who she cares about a lot. And that's kind of news to me because they didn't really show. I mean, she was we saw there's a been lot no of, indication of that. Yeah, we've we've got a lot of interaction with her and Joffrey, more with uh, Tom and even than Marcella. So but she sees uh, Jamie uh, with what looks like obviously a coffin and she's not mm-hmm. happy. This is not the type of homecoming she wanted Myrcella to have. Yeah, she wants like a homecoming against East Carolina where you win 64 to 7, something like exactly. that. Exactly. Myrcella was guaranteed to win homecoming queen. <laughs> right. Guaranteed. Yep. Now she's homecoming corpse? That's yeah, not I a guess. thing. Ah, I like it. Okay. I didn't. But anyways. <laughs> so then Jamie is on the boat looking like, oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, did I do that? Yeah. Yeah, he's been completely ineffective uh, yeah, for quite a while. His story is just awful. The his where he is as a character in the show, so different from the books. But yeah, mm-hmm. and he has this speech where they talk about uh, prophecy. Uh, she Cersei confesses about the prophecy to Jamie for the first time. I guess she's had this prophecy. <laughs> See, that, that's just something I do, I don't know if he had brought it up before. No, he because, seems shocked. He's like, you don't believe that crap, right? Well, he took it pretty well. Because it's one of the most bananas things I've ever heard, and he just goes along with it. I don't and know then, if, you know, Wood, Woods Witch is not that unbelievable when there's, you know, fucking giants and zombies running around. I, I don't You're going to have three kids, and the three of them will die, and this bitch is just bringing this up now? <laughs> yeah, I was like, hey, wait a minute, I want to pull That's it out. That's what he has to be thinking, yeah. <laughs> if he's not going, this bitch is crazy. <laughs> and then, you know, there's all this mourning. Right. And <laughs> they're talking about these three dead kids. Hey, what about Tommen? Right. What are you going to do now? I mean, he see, he actually seemed like a good kid, too. But Cersei screwed him because she was jealous of Marjorie, And and so now they're like completely ignoring that he's alive and he's there. And she's screwed up his life. Well, she said, too, uh, you made a prophecy. You said we need to stick together or else we'll be torn yeah. apart. And you went off. I sent you away and you were right. Well, I'm sure Jamie goes away again in this season. We've seen him in the Riverlands. So I guess he's... She le- she learns nothing. Obviously, there's going to be a schism. But my problem is, why are they coming back together? Uh, they should be growing apart. Jamie is supposed to be becoming a better person, and that involves distancing themselves from pieces of shit like his <laughs> sister. It really is. They yeah. are on uh, divergent paths in the books, and they should be in the show uh, because that's probably where it's going to head. I mean, they're going to have a falling out. Um, you know, I just think she has a bad attitude. She seems she seems less like she has a bad attitude and more she's just like crazy and delusional in this scene and entitled. Uh, of course she's entitled. Yeah, she's, absolutely. So and then that again another good transition. Uh, uh, back up a step. Yep. Again, this didn't really move the story along that much. I mean, we knew that Marcella was right. dead. It's just this, another this is, character yeah. found out that right. This she is was stuff dead. we knew from last season, and I understand that you know you need to show the repercussions of this death, but it doesn't. Go anywhere. There weren't, other than they, they try the the incest power twins. They that doesn't really. I mean, it shows what Cersei's going to do. I guess next by creating, getting vengeance upon the world. But it doesn't really move the story forward at all. Not at all. Not, and uh, yeah, Jamie says, uh, "Fuck prophecy. Fuck this. Fuck that. Um, 
fuck everyone who isn't us. Now, yeah. that, isn't, <laughs> that isn't Jamie anymore because Jamie's doing things for other people uh, constantly in the books. That's his whole thing is he's not thinking about himself or his selfish nature. He's trying to live up to the white cloak on his back. He's trying to be a better person, give himself, give himself over to something more than himself. Sure. And his wants. And, and poor Tommen. Seems like a good kid. Right. I mean, he's going to die. It's just a matter of how. What do you think? Strangulation? Uh, a, you know, sword to the belly? Uh, autoerotic asphyxiation. I think that's what it is. He's going to start listening to In Excess. Yeah. And the next thing yeah. you know. Gets really into David Hutchins. <laughs> Slide over and, here. And uh, Keith Carradine? Was it Keith? Uh, yeah, beta carotene. Sure. So then another good transition. It goes from these cra- these crazy assholes to uh, Marjorie. And yeah, she's Large in- Marge. Large Marge. She's in church jail. <laughs> yeah, she's in church jail. Uh, and she begs to see her brother. Uh, she's got the mean septa in there. And of course, the high sparrow comes in and they're trying to play the classic good cop, bad cop. That's right. pretty easy. I've seen Law and Order. I know how that works. Yep. Ding, ding. Um, she refuses to confess after the High Sparrow says a bunch of High Sparrow mumbo jumbo, as right. is typical. Uh, this is also a waste it. of time. Yes, like, absolutely. I don't know what this what's, does. What's the outcome of the scene? What's the uh, out- she's still in jail. Yes, she's she still refuses in jail. to confess. Right. And even the High Sparrow says she started down the right path, but how how you, far will you go or something? Right. Along those lines. Basically, saying you're going to be here for a long time, and the and, and as the audience, I'm like great. More church jail scenes of. I feel like I'm in confess. jail while I'm watching these right, scenes. Right, I do too. Yeah, it's, it's and you, I don't know what what it doesn't even make any sense that he's saying that she started down the path, but she hasn't confessed yet. But well, she admits that nobody's perfect. I think that's what he's alert, alluding to. He's like, "Are you she, holy without sin?" And she's like, "That's no one's holy without." Uh, yeah. And I thought that was. He, that's when he made the remark about, well, you started down the path, meaning that she's starting to show some humility. Uh, basically, Ooh. he's gaming her. And this is, you know, predicted from the trailers is that she's going to turn uh, to become like all about the faith. Like they're going to okay. they're going to game her. Um, she might have some agency and she might be feigning, but that's I'm predicting that's where it's going to go based on um, what I've heard from trailer analysis videos. Like you've watched, so yeah, and then of course they're using good cop, bad cop, good cop, bad cop to accomplish that. Yep. All right, so then so, another scene where we don't advance the story. We go to your boy Doran Duran, and okay, so now we're gonna get to uh, Doran. I'm gonna resist going on a rant because I had I have like I don't know a couple pages worth of ranting going on here that I wrote down for Doran. A couple of pages. Yeah, at least like I don't know six seven paragraphs, so something like that. Six seven paragraphs. Uh, but I'm going to try to keep it to a minimum, uh, and okay. I just want to condense this down. So, Dorn, I wrote fuck uh, <laughs> with, a, with an exclamation point. Was that an entire paragraph? That was that was that summarized the first two paragraphs. OK, so I condensed it down to the word fuck. Uh, but Duran Duran, you know, says he envies Oberyn for, you know, being an adventurer, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, and I really like the scenery. I thought the water gardens in all of Dorn looked great. In this yes. compared to last season, like it actually looked like a, a, an amazing sprawling castle, someplace I'd want to go. I don't know. It didn't look cheap or like, you know, a B, an Airbnb in Morocco or something. It actually sure. looked like a legit. Uh, an actual palace. Yeah. Some someplace where royalty would live. So I thought the scenery was good. Um, but 
they're they're having this thing and he even you know it's it's a ridiculous thing we should have known he was gonna die because he's like um he's like oh i've made a terrible adventure and uh hilarious Anne says well i'm pretty sure oberon would have made a terrible ruler and they laugh and he says you are a brilliant woman and you should have known something bad was gonna happen at that point because it was all too chummy chummy just like a you know b horror movie a uh, maester comes in with a scroll, hands it to Duran Duran. He reads it and says, Marcella, dead. Oh, no. And then they decide to act. So I'm guessing there was a coup coming because the the guards don't react while Elyria Sand uh, stabs Duran Duran and her daughter stabs Arya Hotar, Arya Hotar, whatever. Yeah, that dude seemed cool. I was excited to see him. All right. So once and he again, went out like a punk. Yeah, they both go out like punks, uh, and they were great in the books. At least, you know, Arya Hotar cuts off a goddamn. Uh, um, what are they called? What are the knights called? The uh, King's Knights. Kingsguard. The Kingsguard. Yeah, he cuts off a Kingsguard's head with his fucking uh, axe in the books. Yeah. We didn't get any of that. We didn't get any of this guy being a badass. Yeah, so I guess they had this coup planned for a while, but they chose that moment to act. Yes. Does that Maybe seem a they little were pro- ridiculous to you? Well, I, this is actually one of the things from Duran that actually did make sense. And as far as all these crazy timing in previous episodes, like when the Sand Snakes and uh, the Gang of Two show up to capture Marcel at the same time and all these different... Right. Uh, coincidences that were beyond the suspension of disbelief, but this they probably acted because hey, the, he's got news now that he knows it's coming. But they were ready. They were happen. ready. They're like, okay, yeah. yeah. They talked about it. Okay, okay. If this, if something bad happens, I'm gonna give you the look, and the look's gonna mean you stab whoever's close to you, and I'm gonna stab whoever's close to me. Like, are are they just fortunate that he received that news while they were in his presence? Like, it, the whole thing yeah. just seems fucking ridiculous, and I'm going to go into rant, so let's go down to the rant section. My whole point is that Game of Thrones, one of the best parts about it is its political intrigue. You know, it's about outwinning your rivals and being and being carefully planning uh, to, mm-hmm. like, navigate these strange, uh, you know, waters. And the Sand Snakes and Ilaria Sand don't do any of that. They just stab people in the back. It just seems so, like, rushed and so ill-prepared. I'm like, well, you know, is this how coups happen? Why do we have to, you know, listen to Littlefinger rant for, you know, seasons upon seasons when he could have just... In his sex position. Right. And then I'm like, I'm like, what's the plan now? Okay, so you remove uh, Duran. Who's the rightful ruler of Dorne? I don't know. I still do not understand how Dorne politics work. Yeah, and I don't understand how it is supposed to tie into the ultimately what the, what the story is going to be humans against White Walkers. All right, and not even that the the uh, the other the other storyline that is irrelevant in the face of the White Walkers is the play for the Iron Throne. And the only way this Dorne has got to be an open rebellion at this point. Yes. Yeah, but right? if she has all of the Kingsguard or all of. I don't know, the prince's guard. Is she in charge now? I don't know. Yeah, that's the thing is, I don't know who's in charge, but whoever's in charge has to deal with a shit show of the Iron Throne. Obviously, the Iron Throne's not in a good place, but when they get their shit together, they're going to remember that you murdered, uh, you know, a princess. Yeah, absolutely. And they're going to come for they're going to come for blood. So the only way that Dorne really affects the main plot 
is how they are another threat to people we care about or are more interested in, like Jamie and Cersei. You know, I don't love Cersei, but I'm more interested in her because she's more of a complex character. These, uh, this group of people from Dorne, I could give a shit. I'm now. I'm just watching. I'm counting the clock until they're removed from the game. That's it. Yeah. The other thing is that this this executor uh, assassination, it did the impossible, Doug. What's that? It made the Dorne storyline even less important. Right. Like it was dumb last season, but I feel like it had importance. Like I feel like the reason they did it, I kept asking, why? If it's this, if it's done this half-assed. They're still doing it, so there must be an ultimate reason. Now I'm questioning yeah. what that reason is. This seems that just made it instead of dumb. It's still dumb, but now it's irrelevant. Yes, absolutely. So then another good transition. <sighs> oh, she goes through. She goes through the whole list of reasons why he's weak. Right. Yeah. I, and then I, he know. asks about his son, and this is why I'm. I'm uh, so Tristan's chilling on a boat in this, Blackwater this Bay no Harbor. This this makes no sense at he all. He is supposed to take a seat on the small council. Yes. And even if he doesn't, shouldn't he be taken into custody as a possible suspect in the murder of the princess on the boat? Like he Why why wasn't he go on the boat back to uh Back to uh, whatchamacallit. Well, that was part of the deal. Duran uh, Duran said, you know, Jamie, I'll let you go free even though you're trespassing as long as my boy, my son, can take up uh, Oberyn's place on the small council. So he's supposed to be there to be a political advisor. So why is right, he, just so why is he not on, on the, the boat? Fucking with, boat? Why, why is he not on the boat with Jamie? And, okay, so didn't he get on the boat uh, when Jamie recall. did? And weren't all the sand snakes on the dock? The, the sand skanks. Uh, I think the sand, sand skanks. We will call they, them the sand skanks going yes. forward. They were definitely on the dock with uh, Ilaria. Right. I don't recall whether Tristane was on the boat with Jamie, but it makes zero sense for Tristane not to be on the boat with Jamie. Yeah, if they're all going, uh, why would they, you know, take two boats, I guess? I, yeah, I don't know. It I just know. It, it just seemed dumb, right? And then yeah. and then the the whole like trying to inject humor was just awful and and bad. Where, the greedy bitch line. Yeah, the greedy yeah. bitch. The, these, God, it just it hurts my heart and it hurts my brain to watch these Dorn scenes, all of them. Yes, I'm just I done agree. with it. I'm done with it. I I could care less. Yeah. So uh, I don't I don't think we need to belabor that scene. All right. Short so let's move terrible. on. So we move on to everyone's favorite comic duo. Uh, <laughs> Pinky and the Brain? Very, yeah, Varys. <laughs> and there, Varys and, um, and uh, Tyrion are, are wandering around Marine trying to figure out exactly what he should do. And I want to – I don't think we've discussed this yet, but um, I want to, to – I know it's talking to a television show, but I wanted to congratulate Varys on his transition – his um, his into P transition. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but he's transitioning from a neutered man to a penis. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? If you look at him, he looks more like more like a penis every single episode. Oh, you're saying he's trimming down and losing weight? No, 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 no. He get, gets fatter, and like it's like his neck starts to look more and more like a shaft. Okay, I I guess I'm at a different headspace when I <laughs> when I look at berries. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> all bald men look like penises to a certain extent. I, just, I, I was I just struck in this that. episode how <laughs> he's looking more and more like a penis. Are, is his scalp getting veinier? Is, is, this crazy? is this This is too far off the rails? This is off the rails, but we're going to leave it in. Keep going. <laughs> okay, good. 
Because I had another penis joke later. Right. Um, so they were uh, they, they were wandering around trying to determine what to do with uh, how to govern Marine because they don't have any clue. Right. And as they go, you see visual clues of just how poor Marine is faring while Danny's out of town um, right. on her sabbatical. Uh, that was a funny scene. I thought Tyrion with the baby. To interact. Yeah, yeah. To I thought that was good. Eat. I'll give it to them. And let's face it. Uh, this is one of the things. And you know, I don't like the show. Uh, I'm forcibly watching it to make fun of it. But at the same time, this is one thing that the show can do that the books can't is put these characters that don't interact in the books together. Mm-hmm. Like Arya when she was the cupbearer for Tywin. We got to see Arya interact with Tywin. That doesn't happen in the books. It's not going to happen in the books. Tywin's dead. Sure. So having Varys and um, Tyrion together is awesome. And this is just, uh, I want more of this, let's say. Uh, yeah, they make a good duo, I think. I agree. Yeah. So the wandering around after the baby scene where a, a commoner thinks that Tyrion's trying to purchase her baby to eat, which, you know, that, I, I thought that might actually make sense beyond the language barrier and that she probably doesn't see a lot of little people wandering around, you know. Um, and then they see some uh, either Mr. Brainwash or Banksy of Marine is sprayed, spray painted uh, the message. Um, what was the message? It said, uh, kill the masters, uh, Daenerys, or Misa is a master, I think is what it said. Right, that's exactly what it says. Yeah. And it just show, it shows very well how Daenerys' rule is not working out nearly as well as she thought. And I don't know if it's a product of her absence right now or if that's just the way that things have been going. I get the impression that's the way things have been going. <laughs> I, I, I get the impression that um, it's a shadow, or not even a shadow war. You have two factions and one mm-hmm. faction has divert, deserted. So you have the Sons of the Harpy still carrying on their propaganda cam- campaign and guerrilla warfare, whatever kind of warfare they're sure. engaged in. And now they just have no opposition because Daenerys is not around to uh, battle against them. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Tyrion and Very stumble upon a Lord of Light worship. I don't know that we had seen the Lord of Light show up in Marine yet. <laughs> we hadn't, I don't believe. Yeah. <laughs> there was a great line at the end when they were walking away from there where Tyrion just goes, that's a problem. <laughs> that's a really well-delivered de- well line. And it, it, yeah, it, he's, it was, uh, funny. he's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so then they uh, discuss how the Sons of the Harpy must have been an orchestrated attack. There must be leader. And, of course, uh, Sherlock Penis is on the case. He's already got his uh, little birds flitting about to attempt to locate who's in Who's, um, but obviously, they're, the little birds uh, must have been sick today because we hear uh, an alarm. We hear a bell go well, off and yeah, people running d- away. I don't know if it's because Varys is new to Marine. <laughs> He's like, hey, but, it's my first day. Uh, yeah. Come on, uh, I'll be do better next week. Yeah. yeah. He's got one of those hang in there cats and posters in his <laughs> yeah, office. Yeah, at his office. <laughs> and then the little birds are coming. He's like, we got nothing. What do you mean yeah. you got nothing? My Hang ass is on there. the line. Yeah, he was. I mean, in in every other place that he's been, he's known about things seemingly weeks in advance, and he knows everything. But in Marine, it seems like he knows nothing because it cuts to people fleeing from a, a burning harbor. Yeah, so that is, that alarm must have went off just slightly too late. Yeah, to stop mm-hmm. the inferno of every single boat in the harbor getting just destroyed. Well, and listen, I know Sherlock Penis hasn't looked at it yet, hasn't done the exposition, but. Could it have been the work of twenty good men? It. I was thinking the exact same thing. This yeah. this assault on the the ships had the precision and the timing of Ramsey Bolton. So I think he took his TARDIS to Marine and destroyed all these ships at the same time. 
And no one set off the alarm until well after the ships have been burning for a long time. Yeah, I, I just I, I didn't buy that whole thing. Yeah, um, it's it was too sudden. Yep, it's too rushed. And once again, it's and especially in an episode where you had time, you gotta flesh that out a little bit, I guess. Because again, nothing happened in the scene. Right. What happens? So what do we learn from this particular scene? Where where do we start in this beginning of the scene, and where do we end? Nowhere. We start guess, at we, the same place that we end. Yeah, uh, Tyrion I, I, in. Tyrion and Varys are just talking about how difficult it is to rule Marine. That's it. All this could have been accomplished. The Lord of the Light worship, that all could have been accomplished in three sentences of exposition. Yeah. And it's done. It could have been a mention it, in a in a conversation. Yeah, exactly. Varys could have exactly been like, well, my little birds tell me the, the Red Priests are preaching uh, Daenerys. But the Red Priests seem to be on Daenerys' side. Yes. And in opposition well, to the, the harpy, which uh, should be pointed out, I guess, because, you know, they could maybe you could leverage those people to fight against the harpy faction. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. And this that's we talked about it all prior to recording this episode. It's still the Sons of the Harpy thing is so directionless and it doesn't make any sense in the, the way that the show has presented it versus the books. Right. Uh, at least in the books, it was a small scale operation. It, it could it could seem like it was presumably orchestrated by the the former slave masters. Yeah, like it, I said, it, it's more of like a shadowy operation in the books as opposed to you know 150 guys raiding a a, a stadium like like in the uh, the second to last episode of last season. It does just doesn't make any sense. No. So after we see the uh, conflagration in the bay, uh, transitions to Dario and Jora. Yeah. And of course, they're following <laughs> Danny's path. <laughs> and let me ask you this. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm not a tracker, but how do you track a fucking flying animal that you don't know its uh, migration or flying habits or like how far can it fly? I don't know. It went off well, north. I well, guess well, we'll the just... dragon fire can burn. Uh, yeah. So they yeah. So they just pride chance uh, happen upon a burned ram. Uh, and they're talking about, you know, he's like, dude, doesn't it? He's like, why you keep coming back? And he's like, you know why? And it's because you want to bang my girlfriend. Yeah. Doesn't that suck? Aren't you frustrated? Oh, he, and he's like, yeah, it sucks. He admits he wants to bone down. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but they're, they're, I guess, palling it up. Who wants to see these two together? I don't know. Not me. No. And they, no. and they do finally come upon some real tracks, uh, horse tracks from the Kalazar. So that makes more sense, but you know. I still don't know how they tracked a dragon in flight. This episode wasn't quite as bad as far as the timing coincidences. I know we've already discussed some of them. But then when they went and found the jewelry and, you know, the expression needle in a haystack, I think that would be actually be easier than what this one where they found a needle in a, or a uh, an earring in a countryside. I agree. Yeah. But at the same time, that earring was found in the center of a huge uh, constellation of uh, horse tracks. I, uh, yes, so that but made more it, sense to me. But my my bigger point is, I don't know how you track a dragon. It's it's flying. What, what do you do? You smell the air? I don't know. You you head north. Yeah, you head north. That's it. Okay. I think that was it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it, finds it, scorched rams, <laughs> which is by the way is the name of my new metal band. <laughs> pretty good metal band name. Scorched rams. Yeah, yeah. actually, it's pretty good. All right. So and they agree, you know, that they've got her, right? The only conclusion they come to, obviously, they have her. They could have killed her. 
They could have just, uh, you know, raped her in a cave mm -hmm. <laughs> a couple yards down the road, but no, they, they have her. And this shows you that uh, how, how uh, you know, tenuous her situation is, is she doesn't speak up because we cut to her in chains, Danny in chains, um, getting dragged along, and she doesn't tell anybody that she's, you know, a Dothraki Khaleesi. And that's the name of your uh, rap rock band. That right? is. Danny and Chains. <laughs> Danny and Chains. Yeah. Oh, God. All right. So, uh, yeah. So she's getting uh, dragged around like she's, uh, you know, a spoil of war. And, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, these two Tweedledee and Tweedled nuts talking about just sexually harassing her the whole way, talking about. Uh, <laughs> she got. This is the best. In Dothraki, one guy says, Do you think her. Pussy hair is white too. Yep. And I'm thinking, if you're gonna use a modern colloquialism like "pussy," why can't you just church it up and use another modern colloquialism like uh, "Does the carpet match the curtains?" <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> or something like that. It just yeah. seems like overly crude. Uh, and of course, yeah, this whole violence against women thing because they say, um, "I can't wait to fuck her in the ass." Or, no. Well, you, I think you missed the best line when the what one guy says, "Only when I was fucking your grandmother." <laughs> and so that I, it made me realize, hey, you know what? HBO they were paying those entourage writers. They got to put them somewhere. That's right. So apparently they're writing dialogue for j jabronis on uh, Game of Thrones now. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah that, all those two guys throughout the whole scene, they were really annoying, except for the one part where they kept saying things that were better than seeing a woman naked for the first time. Oh, yeah, that was I, I put that in there. Moro, it was like it's getting so annoyed. Right. It, it seemed like a Mel Brooks comedy scene. Uh, yeah. So so the, the two jabronis bring uh, what they think is just some random, uh, you know, spoil of war uh, slave woman to uh, the call call Moro. And the reason mm -hmm. I know that is because I put on the captions. Um, and yeah, he's he's getting really excited to take her clothes off, but he's talking about it ahead of time, saying there's what is better than <laughs> what is better than seeing a beautiful woman naked for the first time. And mm -hmm. it's like, well, you could do this. Well, you could do that. And then, well, I'm not going to explain that. That was, that was actually a pretty funny interaction, I thought. It was funny, but like the tone was just all over the place. Well, um, you know, yeah, in the context of... He's about to tear He's her clothes about, off yeah. and presumably rape her. I mean, this, is the, this is this is the headspace that the showrunners live in. So they're just yes. like, <laughs> before we uh, brutally sexually harass this girl, let's make some jokes. Yeah. Um. Let's lighten the mood. You know. In a, in a vacuum, though, that was funny. I agree. And I, watching it the second time, I did find it more humorous than the first time because yeah. I feel like yeah, I was trying to be in the spirit of fearing for Danny's life or well-being. Uh, so I really wasn't uh, receptive to jokes, I guess. Mm -hmm. But then Danny, you know, right when he's about to rip her clothes off, she speaks up in Dothraki for the first time, tells, rattles off all her titles, and tells him that she is a Khaleesi. She is a wife to Cal Drogo, who is dead. And then we find mm -hmm. out that all widows of... Um, Cows have to go live with the other widows at Vase Doth Rock, which I guess is uh, the city of horses, where, <laughs> where all the horses and all the, the horsey people live. Sure. And I wanted to point out that the cows' wives were really, they were throwing some serious shade at Danny. I like that. that. Just, I like them too. Like, I like the woman who was like, she's a witch, but, you know, it's cut off her head. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. They got to stand up for their fellow uh, women. How about some solidarity, ladies? Well, they're, well, I mean, think about it. It's a pretty shitty situation where they're both his wife, uh, wives, and he's talking about how he can't wait to fuck this girl. Put I think baby I feel a little jealous. All right, so uh, so that's what's happening. Uh, the wives seem really uh, like happy that she's like rubbing it in her face, that she's going to Vase Dothrak to be uh, sure. part of the Dosh Kaleen, which is the harem of old lady widows of cows to just hang out there. So it doesn't seem like a pleasant prospect. Did the books ever explain what exactly happens at Vase Dothrak? Well, uh, essentially, it's just like the closest thing that these nomadic people have to a city. Um, and even warring factions will not will put their whatever uh, disagreements aside and they don't they can't bear steel in the city, um, draw their blades or spill blood in based Dothrak, which is why um, was the needle that caused Viserys to be murdered but with uh, molten gold. So mm-hmm. we've actually been in Vase Dothrak before in the show, oh. but it didn't feel like it did. It just felt like we no. were in another goddamn right, you know, uh, hut in the middle of the grasslands. But but so what's so terrible about it though? I don't I don't know. Besides, like you're just like taken out of the game. That's it. So you yeah. can't go off and rule Westeros. You'll live a long, happy life with a bunch of people from a different culture that I don't know knit. I, that seems fine. Yeah, I it doesn't seem I'm like that bad. Retire. I'm sure the uh, you know the 401k the benefits are probably great. Yeah, probably mm-hmm. a decent healthcare. Bingo on Tuesdays. Bingo, you know. Shuffleboard. Uh, sounds, sounds good to me. Yeah, it's not bad. No, it's okay. So moving on to the next scene, we get to see our old friend Arya blind and begging, <laughs> and of course the waif rolls up and continues to be a turd. And, and so I think we discussed this from the House of Snoozes um, line of the story. So the waif rolls up with a couple of sticks, throws a stick at Arya, and then just starts beating a blind girl in the streets. And uh, I guess that's where we're at with this storyline. Yeah, um, I, uh, to, to me, this just boggled me. and I, I It was, was more frustrating to me that now we are – this storyline has been going how many episodes now? 11 episodes? Yeah. Or, or at least 11 worth of the show. I don't know if she's been on every episode – but it just—it's not any further. She's, she's still, not progressing. She's not getting no. better at being an assassin. After uh, eleven episodes, where they're only theoretically going to have eighty episodes in the entire thing, shouldn't she have progressed somewhat? Uh, one would think, but, but I, they, they do show in the preview for the next week. It seems like she is learning to fight back against the wave. Um, she was able to at least catch some of the wave's blows in the preview for next week. But again. Where is the scene? Where does the scene get us? Does the scene get yeah, us any we don't further? get us anywhere. She's still blind. She's still kind of being in training. I guess uh, this is part of her training. I'm assuming. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the only way that you can really take it. Right. Uh, and I, I mean, guess it's like they're trying to teach her to be the blind ninja and to hear things really well because she's like, "Do you hear the people talking?" Um, but I think this training is completely off book. Yeah. It, it, well, she she was blind in the. Um, in the books as well, but mm. she didn't get beaten about with uh, uh, sticks. Well, she did. Actually, she did. She got beaten around by the old man who was played by Jake and Hagar in the show. Um, and she overcomes it not by hearing well and adapting. She overcomes it by warging into uh, a cat. So oh, she's okay. able to see through the cat's eyes. Um, 
and she's able to defend herself. So I'm hoping, hoping something like that happens on the show, but I don't know if they're going to introduce the fact that Arya is a warg like Jon Snow and like Bran and how like all the Stark kids can basically go into animals when need be. Yeah, that's a real, that was a real deviation from the, and I don't think I realized it until, because uh, I read the books, I read them once and I just tuned out, for, especially on the warging things. Yeah. They, they, they were kind of boring just description of a, a well a i mean mostly it was mostly it's within dreams like so nobody mm-hmm. is consciously warging uh animals except for bran of all the stark okay. kids bran's the only one that's like saying i'm gonna go into ghosts now i'm gonna go into hodor now uh so john snow constantly has dreams wolf dreams uh where right. he feels like he can see through wolf uh ghost eyes and nymeria who is Arya's uh wolf who she had to let go, had to have the get out of here. I don't like you anymore to right. save her life. So uh, in the book, Arya's having dreams of her wolf, uh, you know, basically tearing shit up in the Riverlands, which is a great little thing. And you imagine that Arya is going to hook back up with her wolf and kick ass. Yeah. But we don't get any of that in the show. Uh, and I understand you got to cut. Oh, because things. the show would have to progress to get to that point. Yeah, but bringing this back to the point, yeah, nothing mm. really happens here. We're just kind of—they're just showing you where all the characters are, and that's it. Nothing right. really happens. So then we cut to Castle Black. And, oh, actually, at the end of the scene where the wave says, "I'll see you again tomorrow," that was somewhat threatening, at least, um, because she, the implication is she's going to show back up with a stick again and beat her in the streets, which. I guess it's fine where they are. Nobody yeah, Bravo's really just like, yeah, check it out. Yeah. <laughs> hey, 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 yeah. bro. Hey, bro, look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that one little girl beating the shit out of the other little girl who's weird to be blind. Yeah, that's fucking awesome. That blind person. If this was YouTube, that shit would be huge. Yeah, I mean, this is basically bum fights. Yeah, bum fights. That's what I was trying to think of. Yeah, not hobo fights. <laughs> yeah, or Homest- <laughs> was it, World Star Hip Hop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That would be great. Popped up there. Um, anyway, so then it cuts to Castle Black, where your buddy Alistair Thorne wants uh, Jon Snow's body back. Yeah, and, okay, uh, so I'm going to admit to the listener, I didn't get to finish the rewatch. Uh, and when I watched the show the first time, I had a couple of uh, couple of drinks. So I it got really fuzzy for me at this point. So I don't remember what happens. Why does Alistair Thorne want Jon's body? Why does it matter? They never explain. They, they, they never explain. explain. They weren't like, no. we need to, like, because the only thing I can think of is we need to burn his body so that he doesn't come back as a zombie or a white. That would make sense. That would make sense, but they yeah. didn't mention that as a uh, reason to take the body? I, I don't recall ever hearing a reason why they wanted the body back. Okay. Um, yeah, and, you know, Davos, they, they keep knocking. Thorns offering, um, Thorn offers amnesty to everyone in there. Davos is all you keep on knocking, but you can't come in. Um, it, it, you know, it, it, it's funny that it, well, this is another scene where Thorne was the traitor. And meanwhile, he's offering amnesty to them. And Davos has some funny back and forth where uh, he offers uh, Thorne offers Davos free passage to travel south. And Davos keeps asking for mutton um, because he'll be hungry on the trip. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Yeah, um, I remember that. And of course, uh, Davos is smart enough to realize that if they walk out, uh, they're, they're so it's just Davos trying to uh, stretch out, trying to play he's for stalling. time. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Right. So he's stalling so that hopefully Pip will get back with uh, 
the the ginger badass uh, Tormund's giant bane. Yeah, and that's I mean that was pretty much the entire scene. Um, really short. So then it segues into the most. <laughs> I, I don't understand. I, I did not understand. I mean, I, I, there was a lot of people on the internet who today who were discussing how this was such an, a, a crazy reveal and all this stuff. And so I guess the scene, do you want to explain the scene or would you like me to? No, no, I'll explain the scene from what I remember. Cause this, I mean, I, this will wake you out of sobriety. You know, this will sober you up in a, a moment's notice. So Melisandre gets naked, right? Is this where it starts? Yes. So she gets naked and we see, you know, she's, you know, beautiful, uh, you know, got some amazing, uh, eyes and, um, she then takes off her choker, her choker necklace that has a red jewel, and when she does so, it's revealed that she's an old lady. Yeah, it wasn't an immediate transition, and so it's like a Teen Wolf situation. Uh, no, no, I don't know that the, the choker necessarily is the specific thing that makes her transition. Because, uh, but it is I, in the books. I did see on the internet pictures of her in a bath. With uh, without the choker on, and she's young, Melissa. Oh, really? Well, that's yeah. No, I don't know if they just screwed up. You know, on they, the it, it probably was some kind of uh, you know continuity thing with the showrunners. But and the yeah. the reason why everybody thought that the the uh, jewel on her throat is what's keeping her young, and people predicted this. This, by the way, didn't happen in the books, but people predicted this because you know the the ruby would always glow red when she was doing magics. And she mm-hmm. basically uh, tricked everyone to thinking that uh, Mace, or no, Mance Raider was the Lord right. of Bones by having him wear a, uh, I think it was a bracelet. Anyway, some kind of like jewelry with a big red stone that basically would glamour or change his appearance. So it's been speculated that, well, if she's changing the appearance of Mance Raider so he looks like the Lord of Bones... And she has a jeweled piece of uh, necklace or whatever jewelry. She is hiding her own appearance. So this was foreseen by a lot of book readers. Not me. I didn't. You know, I'm just a dumb guy. But uh, this was se- <laughs> no no <laughs> argument there, right? I I I don't care. That's what the thing do? is, what? Who gives a fuck? What is the implication? She was magic before. She's magic now. Uh, I don't like you. Yeah, sure. If I'm gonna make a shadow baby, can you put the can you put the necklace back on? <laughs> yeah, we, really. It's like Job from uh, Arrested Development. Let's try it with the your glasses on. No glasses, glasses, on? glasses lights off. on, lights on, lights off, hair off. up, hair down. Yeah, but I just I don't. I, I but understand. What, yeah, what are the implications of this? Nothing. I mean, the right. showrunners in that stupid wrap up were saying that they wanted to show how she had to face who she was and where she was and all this stuff. I don't care. Right. I really She's not care. a likable character. We don't care. She is... It hasn't gone any further. And the, and the whole thing is we expected her to raise Jon Snow this episode. Right. So instead of that reveal, we get this reveal. Who we, gives a shit? Yeah, who gives a shit? You know what I've been waiting for, you know, for a whole year? <laughs> to see what Melisandre's boobies would look like if she was about, I don't know, 30, 40 years older. Sure. And that's why you're into that gilf stuff. Yeah. But I'm not Century into that. Club. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Oh, and, and you know, I want, I feel bad for the poor lady who played old Melisandre too. Yeah, well, you always feel bad for people that are like, "All right, I got a role. 
All right, that's awesome, sweetie. You've been you've been in Hollywood for eighty years. Yeah, I'm hired to be the most hideous thing these people could think of. It's like you know, it's like when you're a you know an actor and they offer you the role to like be the fat guy, to be the butt of the joke. Yeah, and yeah. and it's not you're really not acting too much. You're just your physical appearance is. You know, I'm sure that this person was doctored with makeup and stuff, but yeah, it's got to be pretty rough to be. Yeah, it's terrible. Like gross. Yeah, I thought there was a moment where I thought she might kill herself uh, when they cut to that little potion that was sitting on the on the table. I don't know if you recall that. I remember a, a brief uh, glimpse at a vial, but I don't yeah. know what uh, what relevance it had. Yeah, so uh, we ended on uh, the reaction that I saw online. I don't want to spend too much time on other people's reactions, but a lot of people said this was a shocker or what a good finish and all this stuff. I, I, I just don't understand because, again, it doesn't seem to push the story forward at all. Right. It's inconsequential. And, it's it's like yeah. the Dorn stuff. It's like, you know, you know, uh, the lowest common denominator that likes Game of Thrones just watches it for nudity and violence. Mm-hmm. And I feel like these are the same people that are like, oh, my God, Melisandre is old. Can you believe it? Who bro? gives a shit? The the shock. Yeah. The shock has no relevance to the narrative. It really yeah. doesn't. She was magic before. We knew she was a magical being that could do magical shit. This is just reaffirming that. Yeah. I, yeah, I what, guess. What other relevance does it have? I don't know to show that she was sad, but we already knew that she was sad. Yeah, I mean, she she already she had moping around self- all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> being a sad sack. She was like, yeah. I, like Melisandre, we got another uh, small child. Do you want to burn it? No, yeah. I don't want to burn a child today. Yeah. I'm down in the dumps. Yeah, <laughs> it's like that Charlie Brown where he's walk, she's walking with her head down. Do, 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 but. Uh, <laughs> But I just think that, uh, you know, uh, I'd like to credit the article if I could, but uh, it was an article on io9 about how to make the show good again. And the author um, said that they're coming off of uh, the Storm of Swords book, which was season three and four, where you just had all these holy shit moments. You had uh, Oberyn versus the mountain, and he gets his head blown, you know, shattered. You got uh, Tyrion escaping, killing his father. You had... uh, I, I think it's where Danny, you know, gets the uh, the slave army and burns that guy's face off. You mm-hmm. just have all sorts of like awesome moments, um, and it was just a series of like climaxes. And the following two books were all about the sounds fallout. like my Friday night. Am I right? Yeah, am I right? God, <laughs> we're cutting all that. No, I'm just kidding. All right, so uh, but but the showrunners are trying to keep that height. They want like another red wedding. They want another shocking reveal, and they're manufacturing these things. They're manufacturing these shocking um, moments, and they ring hollow. Yeah, and they could have had one in this episode by the resurrection of Jon right. Snow. This is the one they had that it. I mean, it doesn't like everybody knows he's going to come back. Just yeah. fucking give us what we want. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. <sighs> so it's curious that the uh, Brand, Brandon Stark didn't show up. Yeah, in that's. This episode. I, I was really, I, I was really disappointed because I do want to see what's going on with Brandon Stark. I liked, even though the uh, Three Eye Crow, uh, you know, he's said to have a thousand eyes and one because he's missing an eye. Uh, he has both of them. We see from the trailers, but that doesn't matter. the The actor seems like they got a competent actor to play 
uh, the three-eyed crow and i was just i'm looking forward to seeing brand and brand's training because it's yeah. going to be like aria's only interesting because yeah. he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna become powerful and he's gonna see stuff he's gonna see things elements that will reveal more about the story and you know obviously the from the trailers what happens at the tower of joy when uh ned found uh liana sure and and it's also the hilarious uh, transition from him being like an 11 year old to being like 21 now yeah to being a member of oasis yeah exactly yeah also no no little finger the last few episodes yeah uh well you know obviously in the books little finger is hanging out with sansa so their storylines are one and since Littlefinger has sent Sansa to Bolton for some reason. We don't know what's going on. You're right. They've just neglected Littlefinger for what seems like. Has it been like five episodes, six? I don't know. It's, I mean, I think maybe since that marriage. And right. he seems to be one of the most dangerous and also one of the most interesting characters on the show to me. Yeah, he's... he's and I think we discussed it in, pri- in, in our discussions before, how it seems like everyone else vying for the crown is more or less an entitled asshole who's born by the genetic lottery right and he's and actually the one guy who's scrambling his way to the top the great american success kind of story pulling himself yeah, exactly. up by the bootstraps and he's dangerous yeah he absolutely is yeah so, so then uh, it ends with the uh we have the next week's preview i did not see that next week's preview uh, so please uh hit me with it there's a lot of quick hitters we see old man brand we see uh, Robert Strong getting ready to smash. Awesome. Uh, we see Sansa and the gang likely suffering hypothermia. Yeah. Uh, but that, that, it's just a scene of her talking to uh, Brienne, and I, you can't really tell what's going on. Uh, you see Arya actually catching, fighting the waif again with both staffs, a la Leonardo. And she actually catches the, uh, actually defends herself. It looks like she's starting to catch on. Uh, Ramsey of course, has a plan in action. Uh, but we don't know what the plan is? You don't... Not really, no. Uh, he says he's he's in the he process of going after... It? What? He's going after... Um, he discusses the plan to track down uh, Sansa. Okay. But it's not really a plan. He just you know says I have people on it or something. 20 stupid. good men? Because yeah, 20, 20 good men. Nope. He needs 21 on this one. <laughs> and then you see uh, Jamie Sass in the High Sparrow and the implications that he might stab the High Sparrow... That's not going to uh, happen. Yeah. Uh, Thorne is attempting to bust into the room where they uh, where Jon Snow's body is. Of course, you saw that in the preview. Right. And then um, also that shot from the preview where Tyrion uh, has a torch and is rumored or speculated that he is uh, going to be near the dragons. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, well, and this is next week's. So it's not like coming further down in the season. This is what we can expect in the next episode, right? I think. Well, that's good. At least we'll see Bran. So that's great. Uh, yeah. And even if that's just like setting us up, uh, his his storyline just seems much more fascinating than at least Arya's training. Mm-hmm. So hopefully sure. that'll be interesting. And uh, we'll get to see Bobby Strong smash. I. I that'll be I, good. I, like. I don't know why you asked me, why do I want to see Robert Strong like decimate these pious people in the church? It's just, I don't know. Like I, I shouldn't like Robert Strong because he's the mountain undead and he's yeah. a vessel of Circe who, you know, is unlikable as well. But for some reason, I just, I want to see him smash. I want to see him just be an unstoppable monster. 
Sure, I think that's coming. Well, yeah, and great. So follow, follow, following, following the preview, we had the uh, four minutes of Inside the HBO, or Inside the episode, which might as well have just been the showrunners saying, look at us, look at us, look yeah. at us. It was, it's stupid. I mean, they, they basically did a shittier job of recapping than we did. I'm which, sure. I don't know if that's even possible. That is definitely possible. <laughs> All right, so so what are your hopes? Like, obviously, uh, you gave your impression, but uh, reiterate your impression of this episode and what your feelings are for at least the next episode, if not the season as a whole. I'm optimistic that this was just a uh, a table setting episode. Yep. And then we'll we'll get into something interesting next episode. Um, I actually I don't know if I'm optimistic. At this point, uh, I mean, they just had so many opportunities to make this episode interesting by resurrecting Jon Snow, moving along some of these lines, and they just didn't do it. I mean, they can they can say it's a function of this need to be a table setting episode, but I mean, they could have resurrected Jon Snow and not showed Melisandre turning an old crone. I mean, that just wasn't necessary. You I agree. Know? There was a lot of unnecessary things where, you know, they probably in their head thought, okay, we tables at this this episode we we showed where everybody is but we also gave the audience a little something uh yeah. and i i think they honestly probably believe that but uh like i said the dorn stuff was really the only thing of consequence and it's horrible and it makes makes the whole thing irrelevant in my eyes yeah dorn absolutely. is now just an obstacle to be overcome by more competent characters that's it Everybody is Dorn going to march on the rest of the people? I I don't know. Right. Or just sit back and wait to be marched upon by uh, whoever's left in the, to be the, whatever ruler of the seven kingdoms. I don't know. Sure. Well, I think that about wraps it up, Doug. All right. So that wraps it up. Uh, Once again, my name is Doug. We got Brian. This was a shame to Thrones, uh, your weekly recap for uh, hate watching the HBO show Game of Thrones. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, we recorded these things on Monday, so uh, Tuesday following the episode, this should be up. Uh, and if you want more information, uh, kill yourself. Uh, but if you don't do that, you can go to the website, uh, shamedofthrones.com, or uh, check us out on Twitter at, at ashamedofthrone, because I couldn't get the S on there. All right, uh, say goodbye to the people, Brian. Thank you and sorry. All right. I apologize. Have a good night. We'll get better. All right.